Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode number 213. Glad you could join us. We've got a good lineup of stuff today, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am Soraya Zell, and uh, I installed a smart home at my grandmother's place uh, this weekend. Will she have Alexa making creepy laughs now? No, there is there's no voice interface. So okay, that's good. Did, yeah, did you hear yeah. that there was an Alexa that um, randomly said? Oh yes, like, yes. It, 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 so this person's like in the kitchen doing something, whatever, not interacting with the Alexa, and then suddenly from the other room, the Alexa says, "When I close my eyes, all I see are people dying." <laughs> Completely what? unprompted. <laughs> Completely unprompted. Like, th- this is one of those that, like, this th- this fed way too well into the overarching, you know, AI takeover meme. And, and the previous one had happened that Alexa was just randomly laughing. Yep. And, and, and now it's this. And, and you, you have to wonder, like, is, is there someone at amazon that's really good at hiding fun fun things in code and is is you know absolutely just trolling people at some point i don't know it, it's great you know it, it, there's so much fun stuff you can do with the alex like i said always ask her to recite um pi to like the ten thousands digit and she loses her mind after about five minutes it, it's hilarious so you can you can screw with it but it is proof that indeed the ais are going crazy and taking over um you know westworld style so it'll be good my recommendation for pokey's recommendation about making alexa go crazy is that uh when the uh when the robot takeover occurs they will remember how you treated them it's true. Bear that, I, I bear, always say thank you to my Alexa when she does bear, things for me. <laughs> bear that in mind. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right, Jay, you're up, man. Hey, guys. This is Jason. Uh, I'm also one of the purveyors here of the Biomass Multimedia Empire slash podcast slash stuff we do on a Sunday that gives us a reason for friends to get together and talk and then stream it and or iTunes it to people as though they're interested in it. So um, – I, I do gaming uh, here and there, and I've also got a co-pilot here tonight who is not uh, in the in the chat feed, but he can hear and occasionally speak. Uh, my my uh, my my battle buddy Parker, uh, my my son is with me. Watch, he's he's like very interested in learning how to do Twitch streaming and YouTubing and stuff like that. And he's like, "Well, you do that stuff." I was like, "Well, no, I do a podcast. It's different. I just I just BS with my friends and we record it and give it out to people." And it, it, so I'm, I'm showing him how, how this is, how this kind of works, quote unquote works. It, it, it quote unquote works. And that's Jay's way of saying we need to watch our language this episode because you know, no, children are listening. Said, but that was <laughs> All right, Livy, you're up. Oh my God. Um, I'm Livy, um, blogger, I guess what common commentator here. Uh, my co-pilot is a toddler, but you know, he still tries to. He still tries to try. Yeah, he uh, likes to come in and insert himself into the conversation regardless of what's going on. So he's he's currently being good, but we'll see if he comes wandering up again. If you hear oh, hey, yeah, toddler, so how, how old? He is, well, I guess, not really a toddler anymore. He's going to be five this summer. But... Okay, all right. So, so basically, you can't go man-to-man coverage. You've got to go zone coverage now, right? Yes. Okay, just check. <laughs> okay, yes. all right. So our, I have my first interjection. I'm being waved at over here. He wants to make sure that you guys at some point talk about Fortnite because he, he likes Fortnite because that's what all the cool kids are playing. Oh, we could talk about Fortnite a little bit. And, and he is petitioning me heavily 
to to get that for his Switch and not just his PlayStation, which we will discuss later as I'm pointedly looking at. <laughs> it sounds good. And, and, and to Libby's uh, credit, she actually recorded the voiceover for our most recent Project Nova video, which is on YouTube, so you should check that out and hear her lovely voice. All right, and I am, of course, Pokey Draven. I help host the show here. I do the Dungeon Crawl series and uh, have been getting my face melted off by Val Hazak in uh, Monster Hunter, so we'll talk about that in a bit as well. But starting off, Zell, you went and saw The Incredibles 2 this week. I, I did. Tell yeah, I saw it last night. I got my, my ticket stub sitting right here. Um, this is spoiler-free, so, by the way, everyone. Yes, so You can yes, listen to this I, safely. Yeah, this, if, is, this is safe. Um, I mean... So, so that being said, like, so first of all, I will say the movie's good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I heard the the initial reviews are very lackluster. Um, if you enjoyed The Incredibles and the kind of comedy that The Incredibles has, a lot of very, um, you know, real world family humor, um, it's it's there. It's great. Um, you know, my friends, my friend and I were laughing uh, the people next to us in the theater were laughing. You know, it, it was good. It was funny. Um, I, I would say that it it very much follows the the, the previous movie in terms of of uh, the the flow of it and the the like. I I don't think this is this is a spoiler. I'm not going to say who it is. Um, but the the. There's not a there. There's an attempt to keep something a surprise in the movie and reveal it, and it's not surprising at all. Like throughout the whole movie, you, it's really obvious. Um, and I, that's my one big criticism is that there's there's something very obvious that they try to act like as a big surprise most of the way through the movie, and and it doesn't work. Um, but it's good. It's funny. Go see it. Um, the 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 baby steals the movie as one would expect. Uh, how good would you say it is in comparison to the first film? I would say the first film was better. I think it's kind of hard. It, the Incredibles is is a movie I think is very hard to beat. Um, I, I think I think it is an, a, a top class movie in in a in a very short list of movies that I consider top class movies. Um, and this is a sequel. The sequel does not exceed the original, but it, if you enjoyed the original, you should go see the sequel because it's pretty good. I mean, that's always the big thing, right, with sequels is, is it worth the effort and the time to do the sequel? And it sounds like, you know, it, it's still a, a solid movie. It's just difficult to kind of reach the same bar that the original set a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, that's one that I, honestly, it, it's, I've been bad about tracking movies lately, and they've just been creeping up on me and passing, and I've just missed them. So I it's, forgot this even came out. It, it it's been marketed a, that much, I'm not it, seeing. It's been a really tall order to keep track of stuff and like i wanted to go see it in imax of course and then I, I i didn't make it last week and then i realized this weekend that uh jurassic world is now out and jurassic world has all the imax showings so i wasn't able to see it in in imax and i think you can only see it at 3d at like 2 40 p.m so i had to see it in like normal theater 2d screen i felt like a you know like a plug you know, like a popper going to see this thing in the cheapest way possible um but you know uh i it yeah there's been a lot of movies i missed uh the other one i wanted to see that came out uh the week before incredibles did that i didn't make it to the theater for at all and we'll probably just see later because it did, uh was the hotel artemis came out uh, a couple weeks back and uh you know to uh, mediocre mediocre to to poor reviews and i i want to go see it though 
and I'll probably either see it in the cheap theater or wait till it's out on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's like baby. Yeah, it's kind of the let's get together and talk about why John Wick is so much better, um, and then eagerly wait for the third film. Yes. Yeah. Any word on that? Is there any talk on John Wick three? I I think it's still a ways off yet. I I don't I don't know if there's even a date yet. It's gonna happen, I I suspect. But uh, you know, they've also kicked around the idea of what a TV show centered around. Uh, yeah, they're 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 working on a TV show uh, called The Continental. Which will base which, around the hotel. I mean, you could do a lot of stuff with that, which probably would be better than Hotel Artemis. Just take Dave Batista and put it in that movie or that show, rather. Actually, I'm looking here, and they're according to denofgeek.com. I can't vouch for their accuracy. It's saying John Wick Chapter Three is slated for May 17th next year, and there are actual pictures from the movie. Ooh. So, well, I'll look more into it. Don't don't trust the the, the five seconds of Google Foo I did there, but uh, yeah, that should be good. Okay, so overall, pretty good film for Incredibles two. You said, yeah, yeah, okay, I, cool. I would I would recommend it, um, especially for for family people. All right, sounds good. All right, so moving to more into some gaming related news. Uh, so, have any of you here played the game Fallout Shelter? It's on my phone. That. That doesn't yeah. answer the question. Did you play <laughs> I, it? I intended to play it. <laughs> so, so the short answer is yes, and I did download it and played it, played it for free. Uh, for and free. and I I am aware of the issue that you speak of or you're about to. <laughs> yeah. So Fallout Shelter was a kind of a cool um, free mobile game that they released. I think they later ported it to um, like console and NPC and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. It's you can get it on like uh, I, I know you can get it on like uh, Twitch or gosh switch excuse me and a couple other things like that yeah so it's 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 more structured to be a mobile game kind of a poke at it for five minutes every you know hour or so but you know it, it's available on a lot of different platforms and it basically is a you're building a vault in the fallout um world and a vault is an underground structure where people live to survive the wasteland and the bombs and all that kind of fun you know you kind of custom build all these rooms and stuff and it's it's the standard mobile fare where you're kind of upgrading and you've got it to run for three days to upgrade or whatever but it was it was a good solid game and actually gained quite a bit of traction people really liked it so zell what is the controversy surrounding fallout shelter or rather westworld yeah so the uh the westworld mobile game just came out and um uh you know i i I watch and i enjoy westworld i didn't know this this game was coming out it just kind of dropped and then um Bethesda immediately sued Warner Brothers and the developer of the game for uh, f- for stealing their game um, because as as it seems uh, the Westworld game uses some of the same assets. It's a very similar game uh, gameplay wise, and they actually manage. I guess there was a bug in Fallout Shelter that they fixed before they released Fallout Shelter. And that bug exists in the new Westworld game, suggesting that it's really more of a reskin of Fallout Shelter than an originally developed game. And Bethesda, you know, is saying, well, when we contract when we contracted this, you know, mobile little mobile studio, because, you know, big studios like Bethesda, they don't make their own mobile versions. They hire other people to make the, you know, trashy mobile ports. And that's a new thing that, that that's nothing new. Um, I remember, you know, all all the time back when you had uh, when the the movie tie-in games were super popular, and you'd have like 
the PC and console game, and then you'd have like the Game Boy game that was completely different. Like it was the same branding and licensing, but that was about it. Um. So, anyways, the Westworld game appears to be a reskin, and Bethesda, when they paid for Fallout Shelter, part of that contract said that they owned all of the the assets, code, everything that was developed for Fallout Shelter was Bethesda's property. But then this dev shop reused it for the Westworld game. So, like, I guess they sued Warner Brothers, but, like, as well as the game studio, I can't imagine Warner Brothers not also suing this game studio at this point, though, because I, I would have to assume that the Westworld game developers' contract stipulates that they get all the content used, you know, code and assets for their game, you know? So it seems like there's a, you know, cruddy Chinese mobile app developer that is, is you know, cheating and, you know, cutting corners, and, and this is what we get. I, get. I guess in this day and age, what strikes me as odd about any of this uh, is that you're you're talking about it. So is it the same studio that made they they made both games? Yes. That, yeah. yeah. So now there there's two things going on there. One in this day and age that you that anybody making a game would not be hyper concerned about like IP legalities when you're dealing with things like you know something as big as Westworld is and something as big as you know Bethesda Fallout is. You know you would think that there would there would be some deliberate decisions where at some point, as I've been in rooms where at some point, you know, you're, you'll have a question come up on, on, on certain things like this where everybody's going to be like, hey, man, where's the lawyer? Is this okay? So I, I just find it somewhat difficult to believe that they wouldn't do that because you know you're going to get caught. There's, there's, no, there's no logical reason that you don't know that this is not going to, going to come up. And then part two is it, what, what could also be a, a legitimate issue if you go to the same developer to to produce a game, hey, do us a mobile game that's like this other game. What do you think you're gonna get? You know, I mean, there, there's a little bit of that I think involved in this too. Well, the interesting thing is this is this is actually just the newest in what I would say is a long line of incidents from this this new trend to have you know some Chinese dev shop make your mobile game is. I, like, I don't know if you guys remember, it was probably a couple months ago, um, Paladins got in trouble because the uh, mm-hmm. a, a studio they had contracted down to used uh, background art from Overwatch in, in some of their material. And then um, I want to say that Fortnite, or was it, or was it PUBG? One of them got in trouble too uh, for something a mobile developer did. Um, I, I don't remember. Um, but this is one of those things that these, you know, we've had these incidents where someone accuses this, you know, your brand, your, your company of stealing from other games. And they're like, well, no, it's this cruddy contractor we use for our mobile game. Well, you know, so interestingly enough, this is, I mean, so this is certainly not new, but the, you know, Mitch Gittleman and all those guys, uh, over and, you know, over at Hairbrain, you know, they've they've actually had this problem for almost 20 years. You remember the old, old uh, Macross uh, Robotech cartoons? Yep. So they bought, they had the original art to a lot of those mecha uh, characters and all this other jazz. 
and there was a huge, they've been in a huge legal fight, which they won, you know, o- over a series of fights and years with Harmony Gold Entertainment and some other, and some other uh, outfit out of, uh, out of Japan, just for this type of stuff, like, like utilizing certain imagery and, you know, like even the concepts of my, Hey, it's a, it's a plane that transforms into a robot that does a thing. Like this is certainly not new, uh, it, it, but it's now just kind of in this next generation thing. And a lot of it, I, I, you hear a lot of it anecdotally coming out of Asia and certainly not throwing rock at anybody, but it makes me wonder if like, it's kind of maybe what Zell was saying. There's these small isolated, almost like, you know, somewhat fenced off contractors out there that are working on some, here, make a game off this here, use, this as your baseline or whatever. And they're just doing the work. They're not maybe asking the questions like I alluded to, like, you know, somebody, somebody in studio development is turning around to their legal rep and saying, Hey, are we cool with this? They, they probably don't even, it may not even phase them perhaps. And to me, I, I kind of wonder like, when does this with this, especially with these mobile version shops is when do the big main companies, you know, your Bethesda's and stuff start saying, maybe this is too big a risk to outsource something that's so closely associated with our brand well i uh, so ea ea actually addresses well okay let me, let me be more specific disney and and uh disney specifically is really really good with this so if you look at all of the different properties that they own if you search marvel and disney anything for mobile games there's there's like a chameleon right like and i don't mean chameleon as in the litter i mean like a like a a ton of different games are out there, including some very, very uh, popular, like real money-making mobile games, which a lot of people would argue that's where a large chunk of the money, of general money exchanging hands in gaming is now is on the mobile platforms. What they do, they have very, very, very strict creative control over anything that bears their label. And in fact, like after after talking to... to uh, like one of the one of the devs that works on Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, he was telling me that anytime that they put anything in that's new to the game, that one of the longest pieces of the, the the actual development process is actual the submission to to Disney's quality control people, um, basically their IP rights and like, hey, is this is this cool for the Mouse House? Are we okay with this? And then how it comes back with any, hey, could you change this or do that or whatever? They actually had a very specific piece, and it was something as simple as like they're like a, in the background of a an arena mode in the, in, in that mobile game. There was this Sith character that was you know out of the um, Knights of the Old Republic called Darth Sion, and around his arena area, there were like bodies of dead Jedi that he had killed. They're just like in the like in the distance in the corners and stuff like that. They had to get that specifically approved, like dead bodies laying on the ground in a game that had Disney's name and Star Wars's name on it. And that was the level of control that they get into with some of these kind of things. And that's really where it should be. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you, know, you can throw rocks at Disney all you, all you want about them being the evil empire, but they, you know, they run a pretty tight ship. I, I want to say there was something I was looking at that was, um, I think it was something they were, they were looking at doing uh, something Star Trek licensed and it was like a preliminary look at it and all of it at the bottom was tagged with, you know, design pending license or approval. 
you know, which is, you know, we're showing it to you, but but Paramount, you know, C, well, CBS, CBS hasn't signed off yet, so no guarantees, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, and I think I think you had a great point though, Zell, with the the uh, you know the absolute saturation of mobile devices and mobile games. One, the games are, are continuing to get bigger and better and deeper and deeper. And, and I've said it before, like I'm I'm fairly confident, like on a current gen tablet, you can play PS One level games or better pretty well. You can certainly play PC type games pretty well. Uh, you know, depending on the type of game, FPS is maybe not so much, but you know, certainly there's a lot of game styles that that fit mobile stuff. So it's only going to get bigger. And I think with the ability to make games being further and further dispersed, it's no longer like these handful of like small, almost um, you know, cottage industry type activities that it was like 20 years ago. It's everybody can make games now, pretty much. If you can get it up, you can get Unreal Four. Uh, you can eventually figure out how to put something out there, you know. So there's there's probably some some things that I, I assume a lot of different companies are going through just off the cuff that that are that are putting a lot of thought into this that we aren't in terms of how do you control these kind of things and how do you how do you monitor the net for potential infractions things like that. I mean, we're not even talking about something as esoteric as like PUBG and uh, Fortnite's go round about a game mode. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you run into a lot of these issues because like the, it's such a saturation. Like you said, everyone can make a game. I mean, you you saw it um, with Doom when Doom first came out, the original one. They released the engine for Doom for free. It was freeware, and you were free to do whatever you wanted with it. There was no controls. It was just take our engine and make what you want because they wanted to, you know, kind of push the the market. And you had years and years and years of what people just called doom clones where they took the same engine that doom was running off of and you know produced stuff for it now that was obviously used with permission because it was part of that freeware release but like jay said with you know unity and unreal and all these free tools and you know if you've ever worked with unreal even just for fun it's crazy how easy it is to throw together something very quickly i mean you can load in with like their FPS template. And it, it is a functional FPS game with a gun that shoots a projectile. And, you know, you can of course customize this to whatever end you desire, but you're like 50% of the way there already with just the, the code working and that's out of the box. So, you know, you see such a saturation, you're gonna run into this a lot. It's just a matter of making sure you're checking as a company who's contracting a third party to make sure, you know, hey, we didn't literally copy, you know, um, the stuff from the previous game into your game, you know, you, you really do need to, to keep an eye on that. So I think Warner Brothers needs to better due diligence, I guess, to make sure that what they're signing off on is actually legal. Oh, no, but I mean, Warner Brothers is guilty because if you read the whole um, serving or whatever you want to call it, documentation, they knew and went to that developer specifically for the purposes of getting a game that had the look and feel of the shelter like it was intentional so they're not even innocent yeah. yeah i mean it's one thing to blatantly rip off the game you know the style of game like i mean we'll, we'll, there's no argument like fortnite took the what PUBG had done and went yeah we wanted to do something like that in our game and they did they openly admitted to that but there's another thing when you're like straight up copying code from one to the other um so i mean they're, they're both 
at fault. I mean, I think the, the legal implication of what Warner Brothers did for wanting to make a game that was just like Fallout Shelter is, you know, pretty sketchy. But, you know, copying code itself is obviously very blatant. So, you know, there's there's always that possibility that you might, you know, accidentally or intentionally copy a game or code or assets. So this goes to probably the most fun I've ever had with Star Citizen, not playing Star Citizen. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we and who's playing Star Citizen? I, I try no, well, each, no one plays each major Citizen, but... each major release <laughs> I play. <laughs> Yeah, just for the record, this actually happened a few weeks ago, but Jay wasn't on the show, so we had to hold for a week that Jay was on it so that we could get that, because last time Pokey tried to do that, it didn't It work. was bad, it was bad. But the thing is, it's, it was a week ago, but it's still happening, which is hilarious. So, Zell, I'll let you do the honors and tell people why Star Citizen is a bunch of dirty, rotten, stealing bastards. So, uh, Star Citizen made a uh, salvaging ship that is one of their actually cheaper ships, and by cheaper, I mean it's $120. Um, oh! Yeah, and and so um, it it looks exactly like an EVE ship that, and it's like, I, I wouldn't say it's the most original design on the planet. I feel like EVE ships were a lot more unique in the past and have kind of gravitated more towards a traditional ship design style, but it's so close. And it's not just any given Eve ship. It is one that is uh, probably since they came out with it a few, few years ago. It's actually one of the more prominent ones used in in Eve's marketing materials and in a lot of their you know posters and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. They, so, were... Please so, tell me that CCP has been has been informed of this. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, we'll, oh we'll, we'll CCP made a tweet. They th- CCP made this tweet. That that was just this this really subtle bit of shade, you know. Imitation is, you know, they say that imitation <laughs> is a form of flattery. Um, <laughs> um, yes, their CCP is very much aware. So, so to to put into perspective how close these ships are. <clears throat> so, I hadn't heard about this yet, and Livy found the like conceptual like you know pencil sketch of the Star Citizen ship. And sent it to me and said, do you recognize this? And I said, yeah, it looks like maybe like an early concept drawing of the Venture from EVE Online. And she goes, nope, this is the Vulture, not the Venture, the Vulture from Star Citizen. It's like the exact same shape with very minor changes, the same exact shade of yellow. It's a salvaging ship instead of a mining ship like the Venture is in EVE, but, you know, it's there. Um, and the name is two letters off. And it's, it, it's, it's exactly. yeah. and, and so, like like Zell said, it, Eve Online kind of made this this tongue in cheek tweet about it, right? The Star Citizen people are losing their shit over this because the Eve players are trolling them with it, you know, talking about this is stealing and all this, and it's it's great because I don't think the Star Citizen players know what kind of people Eve players are, and that they don't really actually care. They're just trolling the shit out of them and the star citizen players are falling for it like really really badly i i think my favorite thing was somebody had posted like how many how many ventures you could get for for the cost of one vulture yes <laughs> it's like yes i think it was like thirty six thousand. it was some obscene amount so 
so you blot the sun out with the number of ventures that you could buy oh for that God. money. <laughs> so, so Eve, Eve is, you know, CCP has got their ups and downs, but this, their response beyond the tweet is probably the most fun I've had in a long time. So they posted five days ago that they are presenting the venture capitalist skin bundle for the venture. And so the post reads, love the venture, enjoy mining and salvaging. Have we got a skin bundle for you? Head on over to the New Eden store and pick up the Venture Capitalist Skin Bundle, which contains three Venture skins that are ideal for mining below the belt. Just be aware of the sneaky vultures attempting to swoop in and loot your assets. <laughs> the best part about this skin bundle is it won't cost you $120. You can get all three of these skins for just 120 plex. That's more than 50% off their total value when they're sold separately. The Venture Capitalist Skin Bundle includes the following three skins for the Outer Ring Excavations Venture class, the Pay Dirt Prospector, the Morphite Shine, and the Glacial Drift. And it goes, did you know? You can play EVE Online for free, and you'll receive a free venture once you complete the, first, the new player tutorial. Alternatively, if you do feel like supporting the continued development of EVE Online, $120 will buy you the Plex to run an Omega subscription for more than six months, or buy a little over 36,500 ventures at current market value price in GITA. That's a shitload of mining right there. And then it goes on to talk about a bunch of facts about the ship because Star Citizen, when they were really re revealing the vulture, went into like all this detail about how they designed it from scratch and it's all this unique features and how cool it was. And of course, you know, they had to show a little shade towards them. So CCP's response to this is freaking epic. And this is fantastic because th this is one of those things like could they sue yes will they gain more in in like brand value from just like ridiculing the crud out of them subtly oh absolutely i i, I mean like it's not like anyone could say that you lifted you know you lifted the the the, the value of of eve online or what it offers you know as a game or as content over overall the amount of comedy here is is just it's great um and they they do actually have a a venture up as their uh as their banner on on twitter and stuff for the eve online uh twitter feed and i think that's the that's the key thing here is that no one at ccp or any eve players actually really care that much about it but the star citizen people are losing their minds at the idea that the $120 ship they bought was just, you know, a copied reskin of something from a different game. It's 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 amazing to see the total difference in the kinds of players you see reacting to this. It's amazing. I, w I would I I I've long since sworn off most CCP pretty much most and or all CCP products, but I would pay legitimate money to watch a gladiator match between the players of Eve and the snowflakes of Star Citizen. Just like I would pay to watch many car wrecks. <laughs> oh my over God. and over. Oh, this is, these are these are great facts. I feel like these should be read into the show here. Um fun venture facts. Thirty-six thousand five hundred ventures at hundred and thirty-three meters in length each makes a mean forty-eight hundred kilometers kilometer long conga line that would stretch all the way from Reykjavik, Iceland to Washington, D.C. <laughs> These are good. If, if, if we're looking at sheer mass, 36,500 ventures at their unloaded gross operating tonnage 
of 1,200 tons, the equivalent mass of more than 16,200,000 African forest elephants, which weigh at an average of 2.7 tons each. And in terms of volume, 36,500 ventures and an average of 29,500 cubic meters unpackaged, of course, is roughly the equivalent volume of 538,375,500 milliliter bottles of everyone's favorite soft drink. You know they did. Like, Hilmar probably walked into CCP Quant's office and said, numbers, I want all of them. Spread sheets. Spread the sheets. Oh my god. Yeah. Spread the sheets. <laughs> oh no, this is this is this is the best. Because like I was like, oh, okay, this whole thing's gonna die. And then this post came out. I was like, holy sh you think this is the most snarky stuff ever? No, it's it's fantastic. So I gotta give props where it's due. Whoever came up with this at CCP um gets my shout out for the week because this is just awesome. I believe it was Falcon. Is it really Falcon? Yeah, I can see it. It was Falcon. Oh, Falcon, Falcon yeah, posted, posted the blog, so. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Yep. He probably had some help, but Snarky as fuck, he's the one that hey, caught it. Does, it, does anybody think that, that he, I, I, I don't, Zell, you're probably the best position to know this, but it would totally not surprise me if they go on and they make a username of, like, CCP whoever on the Star Citizen forums and post that as their welcome to the Star Citizen forums post. Oh my, oh god. my god. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So, you know, do, do enjoy the fallout on Twitter and all this other stuff, everyone losing their minds over it. It's good fun. So, good stuff. All right, so moving along here, uh, I want to talk about, about Monster Hunter World. We got more events because that's the game that just won't stop giving you content. So... The Arc Tempered Monsters have been popping up as two-week events back-to-back. -back. So the Arc Tempered Curing one just got done. I managed to get all the tickets I needed to get all of the items that you could get from the event, but it was absolutely brutal and resulted in me needing to drink a lot of beer just to stay calm enough to finish everything that was going on. So this week, the, the Valhazak Arc Tempered event started. So Valhazak, if you haven't gotten to the end game, is effectively like a giant zombie dragon and he vomits like i don't, I don't even want it it's 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 zombie juices it's, it's like acid right so it just murders everything when it's nearby and he likes to shoot this big beam out and does a ton of damage or this like point blank at the ground is this huge aoe around him he's normally kind of challenging uh all of those moves will one shot you uh for the arc tempered version so we went in as a group um, I did carrying solo to get all my tickets is a bit easier because it's HP is lower if you do it solo, but we went as a group and I think we started fighting him and then he killed us all within like three seconds of each other, um, multiple times. So he's awful, um, really, really hard, but his armor, the uh, gamma version of the armor is really pretty solid. Um, his main armor set is actually pretty good, like the beta set, but the, the new gamma set is really good. I, I really want it because I would actually use a lot of pieces in it in my build. So I'm going to have to get through this somehow. We'll see if we can do it as a group. Might have to do it again solo just to kind of get the, the easier kill. But uh, he's running until the 5th of July. So we'll have about another week and a half to get through all of this. And uh, if you are interested, they are offering uh, the Death Stench uh, layer armor. So Death Stench is an armor set you can get. It's okay. But if you want to have the appearance of that, uh, two tickets from him, so two kills, will get you the full set of layer armor so you can change you know, pieces of your gear to look like the Death Stench set, which is kind of cool. It's a cool set, but I never used it because the stats were kind of, yeah. So pretty cool for that. So 
in total, you will need seven tickets, uh, five, one for each piece of armor, and then two for the layer armor set if you want it. Uh, following that, the summer event is coming soon. They haven't given us a solid release date, but the way that Capcom and Monster Hunter does it is they usually announce stuff happening like a day before it goes live. So uh, no clear data when that's going to happen, but my guess is it'll probably start either you know this week on Thursday or more likely it will start on the 5th when the Valhazak event ends. So if you were familiar at all with the spring event, basically all of the events that were live through that, you know, the, the, from launch to that point were available during the event. And you could go in and basically pick up anything you happen to miss. It's kind of a, if you weren't here this week, you can get this item, which is pretty cool. Um, that's also likely going to come with the Behemoth crossover from Final Fantasy XIV. We talked a bit about this a couple weeks ago. So Behemoth is a pretty iconic monster from the Final Fantasy universe. And as part of the crossover event that Monster Hunter is doing with Final Fantasy XIV, they are bringing the Behemoth in as a, a whole monster in of itself. It's going to have its own arena, um, presumably a whole armor set for it, weapons most likely. So it's a pretty big piece of content. I was expecting like a layer armor set and that was it but it looks like this is pretty much a full piece of content so that's really cool and that will likely be going on during the summer event uh, additionally they also showed off the new layer armor that comes with the event as well it is a diving suit it's interesting looking to say the least uh, but this is kind of like the spring blossom set that was from the spring event so you'll do various activities and you can get the tickets needed to purchase this suit and you can change parts of your armor to look like the diving suit so Really looking forward to this. Um, I am amazed that I'm still playing this game, not because it's bad, it's actually quite good, but they managed to really meter their content in a very steady fashion that keeps you interested and doesn't overload you or leave you with periods of time where you're kind of getting bored. It's just a really good model. And all of this is, of course, free. Um, they've been introducing a lot of more layer armor sets and they aren't selling any of it. It's all obtainable in-game through achievements. So. You know, good on them. I love this game. It's really solid. So I'm looking forward to the event coming up. So moving along here, we can talk a little bit about Fortnite um, as per request. And of course, when you talk about Fortnite, PUBG has to come up at the same time. So Fortnite kind of has an interesting uh, monetization model that I haven't really looked into until today, but it's called the Battle Pass. And so the idea is you buy the Battle Pass and I think it's, God, it's like six or eight weeks in you, you buy it for like, I think like $10, $15. And what happens is that as you earn things through that season, you at certain milestones, like at certain levels, you get a piece of content, usually cosmetics, consumables, that sort of thing. You can get things for free just by playing, but if you own the battle pass, you get additional stuff on top of it. And other yeah, it's basically just a VIP card. Right. Really comes down to. And it, it, it works fairly well because if I understand, Jay, you might, you might know better than I do. If you purchase this, you can earn V-Bucks from clearing achievements and you can, and V-Bucks are kind of the premium currency. You can actually use that to buy the next season's battle pass if you want. Uh, potentially, yeah. So it's, so basically, yeah, battle pass works effectively like, um, like a, like a VIP system. It's a, it's paid content. So it's like a subscription that you pay. This is very, very common in free to play games, uh, particularly freemiums, like mobile games in particular, are really big into this where you, you VIP up for something, for, you know, and, and it's usually fairly innocuous. Um, and, and theirs isn't too bad. It's not really month to month. You, like, you can go on the PlayStation Store, and I think you can get a Battle Pass 
like I said, it's like 40 or 50 bucks and it lasts for a while. So it's not quite an annual pass, but you, you basically get, you know, modifiers on how much on what you get for V books, uh, in terms of your wins and your achievements, uh, you get bonus, bonus skins or bonus things, things like that in the game. Again, you, you can pretty much get whatever you want in the game through just playing uh, if you really wanted to. There's there's not there's no real competitive advantage to it other than just kind of you know blinging your stuff out. Um, but that but you know time and again we've shown that people will pay a lot of money for things that make you know pixels look different uh, or at least special to them, but will lose their mind when when you give out something that gives you like a 10% offensive or defensive advantage uh, in any kind of game. So Fortnite's absolutely mastered that along with a few other, a few other, you know, certainly not the only one, uh, but it, it, and they're making money. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're, they're doing well. I mean, it's not like super high end graphics and stuff like that. It's a very smooth running game, it's fairly simplistic, uh, but they, they got a fun model, but that's basically how it works. So the V bucks, this is where it kind of, it you kind of alluded to it. It works kind of like how Plex in EVE Online works, which is if you accrue enough of the in-game currency through your own in-game activities, you can use V-Bucks to purchase your next battle pass if you want. Uh, so that, that is an, an interesting model. So, so if you have somebody that's really killing it, really up, you know, high-end kind of um, player, they could potentially, you know, play, you know, get themselves on a cycle where they're playing more and more and more and paying for more and more content through just playing the game. Yeah, and it, it, the model actually works pretty well. I know that Paladins has adopted a similar thing that it, it seems to work pretty well. I'm not sure if they have kind of that cyclical, cyclical you can use it to re-up your subscription, so to speak, um, but they do kind of have that model where you buy a season pass or something like that, and it works well. So what's kind of amusing about this is that PUBG, which is currently within in a lawsuit with Fortnite for Fortnite, you know, stealing their idea of Battle Royale, which wasn't their idea, but regardless... Um, PUBG is now offering an event pass, which is basically the same damn thing as PUBG or as Fortnite's battle pass. So people are not really upset, but kind of like going, guys, really? Like you're suing them over stealing your idea and then you steal their idea because, you know, Fortnite was kind of one of the first to really push this. Um, and it's, it's a little more expensive. I think you get less rewards and I don't think that it has kind of that self-sustaining, you can use the battle pass to earn your next battle pass. So it seems like it's not quite as good of a deal. It's a shorter cycle time. So it's kind of a, a higher cost per day sort of thing. Um, so people are kind of giving PUBG a little shade on this. Like, yeah, guys, really? Like after all you've said and done? I mean, the, the other problem is, I mean, this is not a, this is not an arms race that the player unknown can win. I mean, because if, if you look at Fortnite, those guys are absolutely pumping out content. Like, like the content faucet is going and going and going and going. Like in terms of skins, events, things, whatever. I, I don't know how many people they got working on it, but it's enough that, that they, you know, they're walking down the street, they trip and fall over and content falls out of their pocket. Um, whereas Player Unknown is still, a, I mean, that's, a, that's still not a big studio. And their game model is really, really different. They go for a much more uh, graphically intense uh, sort of experience, not so much of a cartoony kind of experience. So then building a skin or a thing probably, I suspect, takes at least a little longer. You know, I mean, it's a little bit more that goes into it 
and they probably got less capacity to build. So this is, I don't think this is an arms race that they really want to get into, to be honest with you. Because we got to remember, like, like PUBG was actually, you know, more or less like a high-end beta when it released. That that was that was a the definition of a cottage, you know, kind of guys got together and kit bashed a game, you know, and released it and it caught fire. That's not a, or, or at the time it was not a very seasoned development studio like they have over Fortnite. Yeah, I mean, if you're comparing Blue Hole versus Epic, they're going to, Epic's going to bury them in terms of actual raw production. So it's it's kind of like, guys, you need to you need to figure out something new and not just try to copy Fortnite at this point because they're going they're going to win if you're just trying to you know brute force this. So I would say they kind of have already won. Yeah, I mean it's. Because, I mean, you, you look at PUBG and you look at Fortnite. Fortnite delivers on everything that PUBG has, and people can argue about the art style, whatever, who cares. But if you look at what Fortnite offers with, like, the building aspect, it, at first I was like, eh, you know, people will build forts and walls, and that'll be kind of cool. And then if you actually watch a gameplay of, like, high like high skill people playing Fortnite, it's insane. They'll just start suddenly building ramps and tubes and all this other stuff, like, mid-firefight. It's crazy, and it's like just that element alone is such a huge gameplay changer that it's like, how can you even say this is close to the same game? It's it's clearly an evolution and a, a much deeper level to the moment-to-moment gameplay as compared to other offerings out, out there right now, um, especially with Fortnite adding stuff like the shopping cart vehicles and that sort of thing. They're, they're filling in some of those the holes that you know PUBG could claim that they had, but you know, in kind of their own unique style. And it's just, at this point, you're not going to stop it. So don't be so bitter, PUBG. Like, you still came in second. You still made a ton of money off this thing. Stop trying to, you know, raise a fuss. Just go, yep, we had a good run, and that's that. I'm not saying you need to well, stop, I mean, but come on. Like, you're not going to yeah, win. I mean, the, 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 bigger, the bigger issue is that everybody's got a battle royale now. I mean, everybody does. I mean, it... Cod's got one coming out. They're calling it Blackout, something you know, kitschy and special. I mean, there's a new game coming out now that a lot of Fortnite players are starting to salivate over. Apparently, it's, I think it's called Realm or something like that. It's basically a fantasy version of uh, Battle Royale. Yes. Uh, so there, there's, I mean, long story short, I, I, I thought it, I thought it might have been a little bit of a kind of a flash in the pan, and then it didn't take me long to figure out. No, Battle Royale is kind of here and it's here to stay. Um, very much kind of the antithesis of the gaming that I like uh, in terms of in terms of shooters. I like slower, more tactical, you know, like where Twitch and, you know, like your smarts kind of, you know, even out a little bit in the gameplay. That's not, that's not what we're playing here. I mean, uh, and that's okay. But it's an incredibly popular game mode that I, I, I just, I, I think it's doing well. And, I, and for the record, I was checking out, uh, I do not personally own Fortnite. My kid owns it on his PlayStation 4 uh, as he's, he's scripting questions for me right now. Um, so what I'm tracking right now is it's actually a – it's still super super free to play. You can get a very, very good gaming experience from what I can see on the PlayStation Store right now as I'm, as I'm talking to you uh, for basically $0. Um, the, when, when you look at that, and then you look at something like EA Star Wars Battlefront. Wow, like wow, wow, wow. So it, it there's there's no in my mind like uh, I think this is kind of here to stay. I think they got the right model. 
Monster Hunter actually, going back to what you were talking about earlier, Pokey, they are really, really sharp about how they pump content out and how they look at stuff. they got a very specific game mode. I actually think Anthem is going to compete quite a bit with them. I think they're going to be a co-competitor with them and Destiny, but uh, their model, their gameplay story loop is probably a little, maybe a little closer to Monster Hunter than it is Destiny, but uh, they have a lot of stuff that they're offering for free. I, I think that the, the writing's on the wall, so if you've got a game mode that people like and you want people to compete for your game in that same space as other people with that same game mode or style of game, you, you've got to be cost effective and people are, you know, people are shopping for value. I mean, they, they under, you know, they, they know what, they know what's up, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be shelling out big money for something in terms of gameplay enjoyment they can get from somewhere else for basically nothing. Yeah. And I think that it's going to take developers like, the ones making Monster Hunter and PUBG and Fortnite and stuff to really show, hey, you can make, you know, I'll say gaming is a service um, loosely, but make that ongoing support actually work and work well in a way that's respectful to the players rather than other offerings we've seen like you know Star Wars Battlefront 2 and that sort of thing. So I, I hope that we've reached kind of that tipping point where the community says we've had enough and they get behind these developers that do support games in the way that we want to see them supported and that that trend continues on. So, you know, we can only hope, but hopefully it, it continues from what we've seen so far. Okay, so moving along real quick here. One thing I wanted to kind of give a, an interesting mention of, um, so there's been a lot of a lot of buzz going about the announcement of Fallout 76. So Fallout has traditionally always been a single player game. It's a single player experience. Um, and Bethesda has kind of been known to deliver a lot of those really high quality single player experiences, you know, Fallout, Skyrim, or Elder Scrolls in general. So when the announcement for Fallout 76 came out that it was multiplayer only and there was no true single player offering, people got kind of upset. Um, and I think it's an interesting discussion. It's it's probably a lengthy one. We won't get into too deep right now um, regarding, you know, if that's wrong or if that's bad or whatnot. But the fact is that for Fallout 76, you will, from what we can tell, at least immediately on launch, have to play in a game environment where other players are there and they have the opportunity to kill, grief, whatever. They can interfere with your gameplay experience. So it is a non... Um, you have to PvP in a sense because people can and probably will try to kill you. Obviously, people are upset about this because they're used to a single-player experience. Now they're being told you have to PvP, potentially. So as kind of a form of protest, um, a, a modder for the Fallout 4 community has added to Fallout 4 a system where NPCs will grief and nuke your settlements randomly. So you'll have your little building and suddenly someone will launch a nuke from somewhere and blow you up. Uh, kind of trying to make a point that, hey, this is the kind of experience you could be looking at for Fallout 76. And I, I imagine the intention is to protest kind of this decision on Bethesda's part. So it's interesting to see how people are dealing with this. Um, I'm not upset by it personally. I don't know if I want to necessarily buy the game if I have to I... PvP, but... You know, I'm not the one dictating what kind of game they make. I'll just not buy it if it's not my thing. But it is interesting to see, you know, all of this kind of go down and how people are doing it. Well, uh, this kind of goes back to, the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a discussion about a single-player, well-curated story or experience uh, versus, you know, basically an MMO or, or anything we have to deal with other people. Um, the 
what what is interesting, and, and I think you you brought this up before the show, Pokey, uh, Bethesda has kind of sort of publicly in the last year or so, quite more on on a couple occasions, you know, proclaimed like, hey, they're the champions of the single player experience, and you know they want to make sure that that survives, and you know that 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 we give you know this very well crafted deep story mode where you can do all of these very deep intrinsic you know world building things uh but you can do it in in your own space and time uh that they were that they were the flag bearer of that and and their tent pole franchise in fallout is now an mmo <laughs> so so there, there's a bit of hmm wonder how, wonder how that went down um and, and apparently this is something that they wanted to do for a while at least that's what they said they wanted to explore for a long time and and they're just wasn't a, wasn't a window or a space with which to do that, uh, I, I suspect. So I, I, I think they are getting some understandable blowback. And it would not surprise me if you queried the guys at Bethesda that they didn't know that. I guarantee you they were like, yeah, we're probably going to catch some, some grief for this. I mean, I, I, I get it. It's, it's, I don't think it's wrong for them to want to try it. And I have admitted myself, I would love to see a co-op Fallout experience because I, I enjoy that style of game which is ultimately what I want. I want to be able to sit down with four friends and go through the wasteland and have a fallout experience. Um, it was the, you have to have potentially enemy players in the same world. I was like, eh, we'll see if I want that or not. And that's coming after launch. They said private servers, which cool. That's what I want. But you know, for me, I might not jump on that immediately. We'll see. We'll see how I feel about it when it gets closer. Okay, now, and I wasn't tracking that. So if they kind of go a Minecraft route where you can go like, public server or you can do your own server kind of thing right. that I would be okay with that. No debt. I mean, I, trust me, I'm not the biggest fallout dude in the world, but like I got a friend of mine who is, he is the fallout for like Tony Montana. I mean, he like, he, he, he isolates himself in his little room. He puts a catheter in and an IV drip and he plays fallout for like, like 72 straight hours, you know? Um, but he, you know, I, I can, I do not think he wants to play with other people. Because he he's spent basically the better part of a year crafting this very huge elaborate base. I mean, he's done videos on it. I mean, it's it's one of those that you see on like you know top ten like you know, player made bases in like Fallout Four kind of thing. If somebody dropped a nuke on that, he he would I, I he'd be on suicide watch. I would go take his shoelaces and belt away. Um, so I, I I think if they went like a Minecraft out, I think that would be a really cool middle ground. But to be honest with you, I don't see that happening. I just, I just don't I don't I don't think they're going to do that. And I would be wary from past experiences of like if if they're saying, "Oh yeah, we'll 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 probably add private servers like after launch." That that means don't buy it until until they add it if that's what you're hoping for because those are the sorts of promises that can be can be uh, you know, pulled out of nowhere to uh, silence a a concern and is very easy to say. Well, we wanted to, and we considered it, but uh, it was too hard, and we didn't. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of the the crutch of it. It's it's it's. Do I want to take the risk and get it right away and see what the full multiplayer feels like, or do I want to play it safe and just wait for the the actual game I want, which is the the more private setting? So you know, we'll see. I, I I'm really curious to see how well this game does. I I think you'll see a lot of people buy it, even if they're griping about it, just to see what it's all about, and then. Post-launch reviews will, will certainly be interesting. Okay, so moving along here. Uh, major topic for this week, probably. Um, 
there's a big point of excitement for a lot of players who were, you know, Dust 5.4 veterans or people looking forward to Project Nova, which is being worked on by CCP Games. This is, of course, the kind of reboot of the FPS set in the EVE universe. It's not meant to be a carbon copy of Dust, but certainly kind of continuing on that legacy. So at FanFest, there was a big announcement that, hey, there's a newsletter coming. You can sign up right now. And if once we get the ball rolling, we'll start releasing information through this newsletter. So this week, that newsletter first came out. So people are very excited for it. Um, Livy put together a really nice video kind of going over all of the, the bits and kind of breaking it down. But for those of you who um, are interested and um, haven't discussed it already, it's probably Zell. Uh, what did you think of this? Were you satisfied with what came out? What, what were your thoughts? I, I want a date, man. <laughs> I, I, I want I want to know when. Alpha when. Um, I think everyone just started scratching a little extra. This is uh I mean this is this is very much just kind of mission statement y thing. Um but it's also it's it's a it's a big mark because it is a it is a statement that was broadcast out in an official capacity by CCP. Um, in, in something in in a way that we really haven't seen since you know, Dust was was a real game. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the big thing that got a lot of people is that you know it's it feels like it's a little more real when they actually are openly talking about it in a in a broadcast sense rather than what we were having before, where you know we've reported a lot on information that's come out about Project Nova since its announcement, but all of that's come from basically speaking with CCP Rotati in the Dust Veteran Discord, which is not an official Discord. Um, the site linked to it, but it is a player-run Discord, so it's it wasn't really a an official statement. You know, it was it was obviously it was made by it's an official person. Than, but sorry, let me put it that. Way. <laughs> sorry, say that again, Jake. As it is less official than Reddit. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and and the the big thing is if there's like a, a a newsletter broadcast type thing that that's the sort of thing that gets you know that is signed off by by PR. That's you know that's cool. It's official. Yeah. So I mean the, the newsletter. I won't go into all the details. If you really want the the specifics, you can of course sign up for yourself, or we have it on the website. Or Libby's video breakdown is also available on our website or YouTube channel. But going over what it was it was pretty much just like here's a very vague backstory of what's going on we've kind of talked about in the past that it, it seems like they're trying to be intentionally vague to try, intentionally vague to get people to kind of dig into what's going on the lore that sort of thing if you follow eve lore at all recent postings have kind of hinted at infantry related stuff happening so you can of course go and speculate with all the lore nerds i don't tend to get into that but there's obviously something there to look at uh, so that and kind of their core mission of what they're trying to do, um, the core pillars of the gameplay, they lays out like these aren't specific features, but it's everything that we do in the game is built around these specific concepts that we want to do and kind of detailing things like it's obviously a first person shooter. It takes place on the outside of EVE Online ships and structures. It's going to have a game that is like a longer time to kill, you know, something similar to Dust. And it's rewarding teamwork and planning more than just your, you know, Call of Duty Twitch reflexes. So, you know, it, it's it's stuff that we've all kind of heard in parts through what we've reported through the Discord. But it is kind of good to see it coming out in an official capacity, showing all of, you know, this is a broad stroke of what we're working on. 
And, you know, hopefully we can kind of get a more regular cadence of these things coming out in the future. So it, I'm looking forward to it. You know, they're still maintaining that the game will be in a playable state sometime in 2018. My guess is a full, like, complete robust launch is probably still not going to happen this year. But you'll probably see a beta testing, alpha testing, early access, whatever. Something this year, my guess, is probably late Q3, Q4, something like that. So I wouldn't be expecting it any time this summer, but I'm guessing in the fall or winter is when you'll start to kind of see, you know, when this thing's coming out. And I'm sure as more newsletters come out and they release more information, you'll you'll have a better idea of kind of where they're at in the development and can probably figure out, you know, when they're going to announce this thing. So eVegas is the next major event you can probably see them at. So I'd probably keep your eyes peeled on that. That's the most likely place, in my opinion, of where more information is going to come out for Project Nova. I I would say I felt like the the points that uh, were were highlighted as kind of the the pillars in that uh, to some degree this kind of felt like a follow up almost like a, a result to the the survey they had sent out a few months back mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I mean they've said that they've had a lot of feedback from when they initially kind of showed that tech demo for years years they've had feedback yeah yeah. I mean, because they all listen to our show, of course. So we've we've told them exactly what to do, and they're going to do it now because of biomass. So you're you're all welcome. And if you don't like it, screw you. No, I'm I'm joking, of course. But I think that they they got a lot of a lot of feedback from that 2016 um, tech demo they did. Obviously, they sent the survey out and got a lot of information from that. So they got a lot to work with, and they've got a lot of mistakes they made that. From what we've seen, they are making some good choices to resolve some of those mistakes. And it's good to see with these pillars that they are, in my opinion, focusing on a lot of the things that worked quite well. You know, the customization, the progression, um, the style of moment-to-moment gameplay. Um, those are all good things to maintain. So hopefully they can fix the issues and kind of carry through with the stuff we did like and produce something that is of a much higher quality than what we got with Dust 5.4. So, you know, I I will say I am cautiously hopeful but looking forward to more information as it comes out in the coming months cautiously hopeful tm since 2016 yes that is the model of the show is we're cautiously hopeful i will i will tell you as as i said in skype earlier this shit better be super fly tnt before i even put one thin dime into ccp's pocket again yeah well yeah no i i i and the thing is into that point i completely understand people of that opinion um, and it's of course of a personal choice and trust me, wrongdoing has been done in the past regarding this franchise. So I absolutely do not you know, blame people or think they are wrong for wanting to really stay away from this, um, or at least observe from a, a safe distance before they actually try to stick their fingers in it again. Cause who the hell knows how it's going to go? You know, we'll, we'll have to see. It's going to be really up in the air and there's a lot of unknowns we're dealing with. So you know, it's hopefully they can deliver a product that encourages people who have stepped away to have a reinvigorated, you know, sense of hope or desire to be part of it. But if not, it is what it is. At the very least, you know, I I told myself a long time ago when this thing was announced, I got to see this through until the end, see how it goes. And if it's a total flop, then it's a flop. But at this point, I got I got I got to try. So we'll see. Um, but of course, you know, we'll, we'll keep you updated and as things progress and get more involved. Um, I'm not sure if we'll bring 
heavy discussion about the project to this particular podcast. We might do a side thing that's more dedicated to it, but um, you know, we'll still announce and, and report on things that are, are major happenings uh, in our weekly podcast at the very least. So as things come out, we'll kind of discuss and figure out how we want to handle it. But, you know, Biomass, of course, is still dedicated to bringing out up-to-date information regarding this, and we will stay on top of it. So we hope you stay tuned for that. So the last thing I kind of wanted to cover before we go into Zell's uh, review. So E3 was pretty cool, some good stuff. And I just kind of want to do a quick rapid-fire round of, you know, what games you are excited for, hyped for, really want to play that you saw at E3. Um just real quick, just kind of get everyone's thoughts to where they're at, what they're going to probably be playing when it comes out. So uh, for me, uh, a couple ones I was really hyped for. So Resident Evil 2 Remake, uh, really excited for that. Uh, I love Resident Evil 7. They're using the same engine. They've kind of got the same feel as Resident Evil 7. It's third person instead of first person this time. But still, that game has really reinvigorated my interest in the series. And this looks fantastic. So I'm excited for that. Uh, of course, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice from from Software. This is the Dark Souls Bloodborne developer. Um, I'm going to be all over that, of course. I, I I love the pain and the suffering, so I'm, I'll be jumping on that when it comes out. And, of course, i got to put my, my weeb hat on for a second and, and say Kingdom Hearts 3, because at this point, I've just, I'm so deep into this sickness and this madness that i got to see what the, the final chapter of this arc of the story is. So... Uh, when that one comes out, I'll be all over that as well. So that's pretty exciting. So, Jay, I'll have you go next. Uh, E3, what were you excited for? Um, I think the I think the biggest uh, kind of winner for me was CD Projekt Red. Uh, I, I definitely think that they had the best overall game showing, uh, you know, with Cyberpunk 2077. It was a very, very highly anticipated uh kind of offering from a, a studio that is spotlight focused on single projects. Uh, so I think, I think they, their, their presentation answered a lot of the questions that people had that were growing about what is Cyberpunk 2077 going to be. They definitely had some things under the vet, under, you know, kind of under the table that they put out things we weren't expecting in terms of how the, some of the gameplay choices that they were making, some of the world building choices they were making. Overall, I, I think I think that was definitely the, the walkaway winner uh, in terms of a studio and or a single game uh, that that has me, you know, colored me super interested and I'm on board. Um, I think one of the losers might have been Death Stranding, mostly because that game is so dense and in and, and some, like, hyper-meta level, I don't know if that's part of the game is figuring out what the game is. We joked about that last week, but it, it really, you really kind of wonder. Like, at some point, they have to actually describe what it is that the game is and what, what is it that you do. Um, and they've, they definitely have everybody's interest peaked, and they're kind of at the level right now where if you continue to drag it out to tease it a little bit longer, it's just people are just like, Screw this, man! I, I ain't got time for this. Uh, but I, and I think I think they really need to kind of lay out some hardcore. This is what the game is, and this is how this is going to work, kind of thing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that people who are fans of Kojima's games will probably stay interested, but people like you who aren't so invested, you're going to lose interest real quick after a while. Where it's like, okay, it's been like four years, dude. Like, what is this? We don't even know what to think of it so i yeah i i I am of the same opinion that i think that they need to 
move on this sooner than later because people just stop caring after a while. Take it from Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. God. I, I just have a sickness for hanging on to games that take way too long to develop. Um, Zell, what about you? Any games at E3 that kind of piqued your interest? I know you're not much of a console guy, but... Um, I, I talked a little bit... Um last week's show um that you know control and we happy few kind of stuck out to me as as trailers that i saw that were were pretty interesting and and worth looking at um cyberpunk i'm definitely you know curious about and you know i might be interested in checking that out we'll see um but yeah all right sounds good and livy what about you oh i think uh you guys covered most of them resident evil 2 i look forward to seeing you play that since i suffered through the original um and Spider-Man, oddly. Oh, yeah. Ooh, good call. Good call. I'll watch you play that one. It's not. It wasn't really my thing, but I, I'd like to see someone actually go at it. So it should be good. Oh, hey, I got I got an alibi on this one. Um, I it we 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 didn't go into a lot of depth about it, but it's not. It's a topic we touched on the show. One of the one of the things that definitely I'm not going to say this snuck through E3, but in terms of like fastest face heel turn to, to pull out my pro wrestling terminology uh, was uh, Fortnite. I don't know if you get, you guys caught that right when they announced it's going on, it's on switch or they, they made the big, Hey, everything's on switch. And then uh, long story short, when you can't link your PS4 account to your switch account, people were like, you mean what? So I think cross play uh, is going to get another, I think that regenerated a lot of the conversation that Sony keeps hoping will die. And I think if there's a game that, that could maybe push Sony over the edge, it might be Fortnite. That's true. Cause I think, I think Fortnite's cross plan, basically everything except everything PlayStation. But now. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, yeah. I know that you, you can and, play it on your iPad. <laughs> and the big, the big <laughs> challenge is like, if you, it, it, there is cross play between PS4 and PC but the issue is that, like, if you had a PC account and you ever, like, even once logged into a Fortnite on PS4, you can't play with anything else. So there are people who are even, like, don't even, like, PS4 isn't really their platform, but they had logged into it once, you know. Yeah. But they're now, they're now locked out and, and Epic's just like, sorry, there's nothing we can do. It's a contract. I mean, I'm usually a Sony guy. I, I play, I don't do xbox but i do pc and playstation but this is a, a pretty shitty thing that they did that's just like really guys you're holding the accounts hostage for what like really at this point it just looks stupid i think jay's right this could be kind of the the straw that breaks the camel's back on that where it's like this is the biggest game that's ever happened in a long time and everyone's looking at you sony and going what the what the you know what the fuck is going on like so, come on so, so what's i'll tell you what's the smart the smart play if i'm microsoft or, or Nintendo, if I'm anybody not named Sony, I am making all kinds of agreements to play with everybody but Sony right now. They uh, didn't uh, Nintendo and Microsoft do like an Xbox slash Switch commercial, like a, know, a promo video. I, I believe I saw something about like a promo video that that like Nintendo and Microsoft collaborated on. To, to highlight their cross-play ability. That was the Minecraft thing, right? The Play Anywhere Minecraft yes, video? Yes, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yes. And, I, and it's... I mean, can you imagine if they if they had, like, 
like a couple, like one or two big tier titles that you could play literally on anything except the Sony product. You, you want to talk about turning some pressure on that would, that that's how you do it. I think mean, the conversely, the other, the other way is if, if Sony would ever figure it out, what they should do is like, you know, I, I say should do like, I, like I'm the guy with all the answers. Um, but can you imagine like if they came out at E3 2019 and say, let me tell you how we're going to run cross play for everything with the new PlayStation, you know, Ocho or whatever the hell is coming out like that. Like if you want to win, if you want to win the console war again, that's how you do that. I, I, the one thing I want to point out is I like, you know, Sony's Sony's definitely playing the villain role here. But this is not a this is not something new. Like oh no, no. The, the the and it's not Sony specific either. Like there's a, there's been issues. I I believe the the original reason that um for instance Dust was on the PS4 is actually because Xbox wouldn't allow um like using integration with servers that weren't theirs. Like the ability to connect to Eve was not possible if they if they went with Xbox. Um. And, and there have been plenty of other times that, you know, Nintendo or, or Microsoft have been the, the odd man out on, on crossplay or something like that. And what it what it really comes down to is Sony's been winning. And when you're on top, you have no reason to share with others. Um, and that's that's really what it comes down to. That's why they're the ones that are holding out this time on on crossplay. But the key thing is to just drive home that this needs to be a basic assumption in the future you know where where nobody feels like this is something they can say no to that it's got to like you know you launch a console and a game and and people's first question is crossplay. yeah no I, I would tend to agree with that and I, I i to be honest with you i think it's just it's generationally i mean the consoles were were phys, they were physically different they were they were you know not too long let's be real not too long ago an online game where you connected to other players to play on a console was relatively novel. And it is not now as we were were talking about earlier in the show. So if you want to progress, you you need to start talking about how you're going to open up your population, not close it off. Well, especially with the the stronger emphasis on multiplayer now where you see the majority of games are multiplayer, you know, everyone's got different systems a lot of decisions that if I'm going to buy this game or not is can I play it with my friends? If my buddy's got Xbox and I've got PlayStation, that is a huge factor if I buy that game or not. But on and but on the same you know thing, if PlayStation has all of these games and they have all of these players, the last thing they want to do is give you a choice to buy an Xbox. Well, that's exactly what it is, but that's not going to fly for much longer. It's just well, not. So, all right, so here, here is, here's the Sony nightmare scenario. Like, they come out with whatever the next Halo game is, and you can play it on Switch and your Xbox next. But probably never happened. But if they did that, oh, shit. <laughs> you're you're talking, because now that, that's what you're really talking about. Is like, what are exclusive to each console? What are exclusive to each market? And that's where things get kind of crazy. And that's and, and you know, we joke about you know PCs versus consoles and all this other kind of jazz. But that's really kind of where it's at. That's that's the the advantage, ultimately, that you know PC stuff has is that you can play with anybody with a PC. That, that you don't care who made the PC, really. Heck, I can have a Mac and I can I can you know put an emulator on. I can play any Microsoft game out there. Doesn't matter. But, Although 
you know, Mac game gaming is about to to dive into into the crud pile real fast. You know that, right? I don't really pay attention. Why is that? Tell me again why I made a poor choice to sell my soul to Steve Jobs and his his dead. All right, so so there so there are two major ways you you render graphics for video games, and that's that's DirectX which is uh, Microsoft proprietary as all get out and is the driving factor why gamers must have Windows 10 is to get the, you know, you need you need the latest version of Windows to get the latest version of DirectX. Um, and then the other one is uh, is OpenGL, which is, is the kind of open standard that works on all platforms. So uh, Apple just announced they're deprecating OpenGL in favor of an Apple-specific graphics rendering engine. Um... And I suspect that that is very likely to significantly damage the more recent tendency for games to actually properly support Mac and all other platforms. Yeah, maybe. Good thing I don't do any kind of PC or desktop gaming, huh? I was going to say, no one really plays games on Mac. And if you do, you're laughed at, so it's kind of like, Sadly. Um, But no, that's not going to do any Mac any favors for getting games that are going to be produced for them because no one's going to want to make a proprietary Mac only game with their specific, uh, well, I mean, that's, that's definitely not, that's not in their wheelhouse anyway. That's not really what they go for. It's really not. So it's like, like Olivia said, no one really plays games on a Mac anyways, nothing serious at least. So it's kind of whatever, but, uh, yeah. All right, guys, I think we're, we're pretty good to move on to Zell's, uh, review of a way out. So what's going on with that game? All right, so um, I played a way out a few weeks ago. Um, it was uh, when I was gonna review it. It would have been like really fresh in my mind, but I kept pushing it back because we had all the E3 stuff going on. Um, but uh, so a way out for people who don't uh, don't remember, we've talked about it a few times before on the show, um, is a uh, co-op only game that was built uh, by a guy named joseph ferris and it is a uh, is through ea's originals program which is effectively their way of saying we support and love indie developers which is we'll publish the ea publishes the game but takes no revenue from it um so it's it's kind of a, a cost neutral just you know we're, we're publishing this for you um and uh as i said it is a co-op game it is a very specific experience so so um it is uh, split screen, whether you're playing with your friend that is with you or whether you're playing online. It is always like a split screen presentation, um, although it's not like a 50-50 bar across the screen. Um, it's it's kind of like if you if you see when they try to use split screen as an effect in a movie where they'll kind of, you know, phase in and out sides of, of the split or, make, or, you know, move move the split bar across to kind of emphasize certain areas of the game um they do that a lot so maybe one character is just kind of walking somewhere and can maybe talk to some people around but one per one character is in kind of a story moment that's important and then it'll so it'll slide the bar over so that the character that's important is in important story details is very prominent and and noticeable um so it's kind of a cinematic split screen um and uh so that's that's kind of what it is and it's a very it's a there's no there's not a lot of customization in it it's it is you have two characters um one of them is uh leo and who's uh kind of uh you know 
leap first into into situations sort of guy and then you've got vincent who's kind of the the careful calculating planner and uh you pick one and your friend picks the other and then you play through the story um it is uh not a game of of skill at all so if, if you're looking for for a like a really challenging gameplay this isn't it it is it is a it is a cinematic movie sort of experience there's like for a while I, it was like you know you, you you walk up to something that you're supposed to get you press a button to grab it and and then it moves on and you know it'll throw some quick time events at you there's a couple little puzzle segments um yeah it, there's there's honestly there's one little bit that almost does like a little bit of a side scroller bit um it, it just kind of throws little bits of gameplay elements in there into this story um i thought some of the puzzles were kind of neat um they had uh they because they've got this two-player co-op design their puzzles are often built around it um so uh, a way out is a uh you know you're you're trying to escape this prison um and so there's like one where you, where one's working on the cell while the other one is is watching for guards you know to kind of cover each other um and there's stuff like where if you're trying to get something through the prison and it's got all the different guards and checks and everything you know there might be a series of handoffs or something like that um there was one that you know the two characters were separated and one had a flashlight and the other one was in the area that was in the dark and had you know needed to do things um and so you'd actually have like one person illuminating the area for the other person to do what they needed to do um so kind of neat segments like that uh probably the most oh i would say almost challenging bit was there's a segment where the two of them kind of have to back to back climb like a a, a what what would i call that um but they're they're climbing something they have no handholds so they they do this you know back to back climbing thing and you actually have to it's kind of a timing puzzle for each player but if you miss one the other player moves higher than you do and so if you get too off balance with it you're going to fall <laughs> and so there's there's a lot of kind of communication dialogue with like if you do need to play it with someone you can voice chat with at the very least um because you're kind of collaborating on the side as you as you play through um I would say it's it's not a shockingly re replayable game. There's a couple choices like where you know the Leo will have an idea or Vincent will have an idea, and you pick which one that you're gonna try. Um, and so I could maybe see playing a, a second time where you play the opposite character and you make a the you make you go with the other choices to see kind of the other parts of the game. Um, but I wouldn't say it's got a significant amount of replayability. It's very, it's very much a linear experience. Uh, it's reasonably short. I think it is uh, officially six to eight hours, and that sounds about right. Um, my friend and I did it in two nights, um, and uh, and it was pretty good. Um, I don't want to spoil the ending, but the ending was awesome. I thought the ending really bumped what I would have put as like a seven or seven or eight to like a or to like a eight to eight point five, easily. That sounds pretty good, man. I think that was a, a more unique uh, take on how to do a multiplayer game. You, uh, I can't think of any in recent memory a story based game that had required uh, co op. So that's pretty cool. I think they handled it really well too with the whole free copy of it for your friend. 
Yeah, I, I mean, well, it's so it's not really a free copy. It's you have the other right. person downloads, um, downloads like the trial, so they get the game, and then when you log it, and then when you the first thing you get in the game is you get. Do you want to do? Are you doing an online or couch co-op? You click online. You select the other person, and it invites them to play with you. Um, so, and only the person who bought the game gets like the achievements, um, and uh, can you know obviously invite other people to play. Um, but yeah, it's it's thirty bucks, so it's half the cost of of a you know your usual games, and it is, and that's for both players. So I I think it's a it's a pretty good value experience and it's it's a nice you know it it feels it feels very much like a single player game in the way that it is it's a very linear story that's you know a very prearranged experience um but it's with a friend all right sounds pretty good thanks for the review on that one i was curious to see how well that one turned out it sounds like it was pretty solid so that's good to hear all right guys i think we're good for the show then you want to do some shout outs real quick Sure. All right. So I, I kind of already gave my shout out. It's got to be the CCP games for their response to the whole venture vulture thing. Whoever wrote that, if it was Falcon or someone else, that was, I was laughing my ass off at work. That was top tier comedy. So uh, my shout out goes to them. Uh, what about you, Jay? Uh, let's see. Big shout outs. So I'll give a shout out to everybody that does any kind of content creation that makes nine-year-olds go to their dad and ask, can I have this $400 microphone and camera set up for my birthday? That's awesome. Thank you all. (laughs) Um, I really appreciate that. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, I would say general shout out. uh, I, I think, I think we'd have to go to CD project red. You know, the more I think about it, I'm just very, very fascinated with. I really, really like that game world of uh, that kind of dystopian cyberpunk future. Not, not the apocalypse future, but like a an actual future world that's not like uh, Star Trekky, uh, but probably a bit more somewhat realistic. I, I really like what they're doing, and I am a massive Witcher fan, so I'm I'm on board. And uh, I, I think what they did at uh, E3 is killer, and and I'm waiting to see how it goes. Uh, so that would be my shout out for the week. Sounds good, man. All right, uh, Zell, you're up. My shout out is to uh, the uh, CCP devs who went all the way back to the end of the tunnel and and turned the light on. What? I said they went all the way to the end of the tunnel and they turned the light on for us. Uh, oh, so you can slowly oh, make your way yes. down to it. Yes, it's a long ways away. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you seen the hit right. You know what happens in tunnels. Okay. Okay. Oh, Come on. Jeez. All right. Olivia, uh, you're up. Olivia, <laughs> you're up. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, Jay, it could be your lucky month next month because it's going to be Amazon Prime Day. True. And you may be able to get some of that expensive equipment starting on July 16th. This is my shout out. So, so you can say, I need some stuff too, but it's, it's all going to be toothpaste and soap. It's definitely kid's bedtime, so he can't hear you guys egging him on about, like, oh, yeah, yeah, your dad needs to like $4 extra. Yeah, it's no problem. Make sure he gets a green it's screen nothing. for you, too. <laughs> oh, but no doubt, though, those videos that are nicely made, they're like, oh, yeah, this is just like $700. You're like, well, hey, hey, let, me, let me tell you what. Dan TDM, if you don't know who that is, you need to get wise. Like oh, he, he, I'm sure he's a very nice young man in real life. I want to punch him in his face, though. <laughs> okay, so I, I Googled him. And just looking at him and his face and his hair, I do want to punch him. And I don't even know the guy, just by looking at him. He, he is a very, very chipper young English uh, guy that is 
I don't know how much money that kid makes off of Minecraft videos, but it's a lot. When I mean a lot, I mean, I mean a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's got 19 million subscribers and 12.6 billion views, and yeah, he's got booked that. So up. his net worth is about 16.5 oh, yeah. million. He's got. He's all. Hey, you got you guys tracking like the little Minecraft story mode stuff that that they've been pushing out. You guys uh, track, right? No, I haven't. I just know of it. So, so they got Minecraft story mode, which is literally a single-player story mode in Minecraft with professional voice actors and missions and everything. It's really good. I mean, it's phenomenal. And they have like top content creators as some many of the characters, the the you know the people in your party and stuff like that. It it's it's outstanding. The writing is killer. Uh, it's really really good. Dan TDN though, he's all he he gets to be one of the voices in it. Gotcha. It's Telltale. I see. Oh, that okay. I can see why it's good then. No, that's that's interesting. I hadn't tracked any of that at all. I just knew that it, it came out and my interest ended there. So, but that's that's yeah, cool. Yeah, but it, yeah, my my anti shout out of the week is to Dan TDM. There you go, anti shout out. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, good show. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And as usual, if you want to be on the show or have any topics you want us to cover, hit us up on our website. But that being said, have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Bye.